Well, you guys ready for the Word of God? Awesome. Um, something that my wife and I over the years have developed is a pattern of connection. You guys all know that in marriage, communication's essential, right? Um, and so one thing that we've done for many years is that when I'm coming home for work or like commuting, I'll give Katie a call, right? And then we'll chat for the commute. So there were times where my commute back in Denver was an hour and a half. And so that was a real long chunk of conversation. And then there was times where my commute was like 10 minutes. That was shorter. <laughs> and uh, we, would, we would try to communicate as best as we could. But there's also some noise in our life um, in the form of five children. And so... When we're communicating over the phone, <clears throat> there's background noise. And that background noise can reach really high decimals and really high levels to where it drowns out the voice of the person. Uh, and many times, one of us will be saying to the other, hey, hey, Neil, Neil, or Katie, Katie, Katie. And they can't hear us. They're just talking. You know, they're talking. Kids are also talking. Hey, Katie, Katie. And then finally, they hear Oh, uh, yeah, what is it? I didn't hear anything you said for the last 10 minutes. <sighs> Dang it. <laughs> and we have to start from scratch. Or if it's a short commute, we get home, and then when we're in person, it becomes even more difficult sometimes to have that time to connect and communicate because all the craziness that's happening as soon as we get home, right? And so we have to find a spot in our house where we hide so that we can have, we can complete a conversation uh, sometimes without interruption. So we, we try to create distance from that said noise, right? Um, and I think the same is true in our walk with Jesus when it comes to hearing God, is that there are so many different noises and voices and distractions and different things in our life that in order to hear Jesus and hear the voice of God, that still small voice speaking to us, we have to create distance between us and the other noises in our life. Amen? So the title of my message this morning is, Turn Down the Noise. Turn Down the Noise. Let's pray over the word, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you lead us into all truth. And I just pray, Father, that anything that I say today that comes from me will fall to the ground and come to nothing, Lord. But if it's from you, Lord, that it will bear fruit that remains in our lives, Jesus. Speak to us, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in a series, we're continuing in a series that we kicked off last week called Ears to Hear. So we're talking about the art of listening, how to listen for 
the voice of God. And last week we talked about how God speaks. He's, spe- he's spoken throughout history, all of human history. He's been speaking to his creation. That we are created for communication and relationship with him. That it was meant to be a two-way conversational relationship where we speak to God and then God speaks to us and we in turn speak to God and he speaks to us. It's a conversation and God has invited us into that kind of intimate relationship with himself. And so this series is focusing in on how do we cultivate that? How do we draw near and hear the voice of God. And so part of this series is going to be a little bit of a character study. And we're going to zoom into the life of Moses. So Moses, if there's anyone who had an intimate relationship with God, Moses did. I mean, the Bible describes Moses in, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, as the most humble man on the face of the earth. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. I think Moses wrote that too, so that's interesting. Uh, I don't know how much we can take from that but so he he was a humble man but he sought the Lord and the Bible says that Moses would meet in the tent of meeting with God that the pillar of cloud would fall on the tent and that he would meet with God face to face as with a friend that's intimacy that is an incredible relationship and then And then God even spoke about Moses when people brought charges against him. God spoke about Moses as this guy who I talk to plainly. I don't speak to in mysteries or parables. I speak to plainly and clearly as with a friend. So Moses had this incredible intimacy with the Lord. And to the point where he would complain to God and He would remind God of his promises. I mean, you have to have a comfort level with the Lord to do that, right? We're talking about this God we're talking about here, right? But Moses was able to do that. He had a depth of relationship. So how do we position ourselves in a way to connect with God on that level, on that level of intimacy, of hearing His voice. And so let's look at the life of Moses and how it started with him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. The mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, well, it says exclamation point, so Moses, Moses, I mean, God called to him, and Moses said, here I am, I always love that, it's like so funny, I'm here, here I am, so Moses' relationship with God, it began on the far side of the wilderness, 
Isn't that interesting? The far side of the wilderness, away from all the noise, all the hustle and bustle, all the people, all the responsibilities, all the different things that are going on in life. It was the far side of the wilderness where he heard the voice of God. So all the noise was, was gone. It was quiet, and yet he heard God speak. But he also came to the mountain of God, it says, in Horeb. The mountain of God. And so there's one thing departing from noise but another part of seeking God, like Moses, is not just taking a vacation. It's going to the mountain of God. It's intentionally going to where God is, where we're going to meet him. It's not just about being, it being quiet. It's about going to where we can meet with the Lord. And it's amazing because that can be a lot of different places for different people. The place where you meet with God could be a certain chair that you like to have your quiet time in or a certain room of your house. Or uh, I remember there was a time where um, we lived in this apartment in Colorado with four small children and there was not any place in the apartment to meet with the Lord. So I would go out and sit in our van in the parking lot and turn on some worship music and, and have some time with Jesus there. That was the mountain of God for me place where I could meet with God. But he went away. He went to where God was. And then it says he gave God his attention. It says he began to look. Right? He went to look. And Jesus says, he says, seek me and you will find me if you what? Seek me with all of your heart. Seek. Seek me. And when God has our complete attention, when he has our attention, then you notice he begins to speak. When God saw that he looked, then God spoke to him. Isn't that interesting? It says that he went over and to check out this burning bush. And in verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, then God called to him from within. So when we seek, then we find. But there is a seeking, there is an intentionality, a looking. But in order to turn down the noise in our lives, it all begins with creating space, just like Moses. Creating space. Because the noise doesn't stop, right, in our lives. The busyness, the different things that are going on, just like with my wife and I. The noise doesn't ever stop in our house. So we can't count on that happening, so we just got to create some distance, find a space where we can connect. It's not about quieting the noise, it's about creating space. And you see this pattern throughout scripture. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, it said, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, where? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, but he began to fast and pray and seek the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He went to the wilderness to seek God. Moses went to the far side of the wilderness. Jesus would often seek the Lord in the early hours of the morning. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, 
That's early. He beat the sun up. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So he went away to a solitary place. And you see it over and over again in Scripture when God's speaking to people. You see them going to these solitary places. You see them departing, going into the wilderness. Whether it was Moses going into the tent or when God appeared to Isaac and to Jacob, both of them were alone. When God spoke to Solomon and to Joseph, it was in dreams. And when we're dreaming, we're alone, right? We're in a solitary place where we can hear the voice of God. It becomes difficult to hear God in our lives when we have so much noise around us. That's why God invites us out. He invites us away to create distance from these distractions. So many other voices in our heads and in our lives. So we need to detach, find solitude, and prioritize silence. So how do we do that? How do we create space to hear God? How do we turn down the noise? Number one, detachment. We create space between us and activity. We create space between us and activity. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him. And to be healed of their sicknesses. So crowds of people, multitudes, thousands of people coming to Jesus to hear him, hear the gospel, and be healed. Like these are good reasons for people to come to Jesus, right? Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew. Another translation says, but he slipped away often to lonely places and prayed. Moses was in the wilderness, and there's nothing going on, right? Nothing's going on in the wilderness, right? But then, not only that, it said the far side of the wilderness. So, if you're in the wilderness, that alone, not a whole lot's going on there. But if you're on the far side of the wilderness, you're way out there. It's like northern Canada or something, right? Where the alone show is, like, recorded. Something like that. Nothing's going on up there. There's no responsibilities, no tasks, nothing to worry about, nothing with our job. It's, nothing's vying for our attention in the wilderness. Because here's the deal. There is always a list. How many of you guys know? There is always, always, always a list of things that we have to do, responsibilities. If you're a homeowner, that list is even longer, Right? There's always a list, and the list does not end. It will never end because we're always adding to the list. And so if we are waiting to seek God once the list is complete, it's never going to happen. It's not. The list will always be there. There's always going to be things that require our attention, right? Neat, real things legitimate things that require our, our attention, a long list of them. So we can't wait for those things to be complete in order to seek the Lord. We have to take time away from things and people that require our attention 
in order to give it to God. We have to take, because time is a limited resource. So we have to take time away in order to give time to. And that's a sacrifice, right? But we can't wait for every box to be checked before we give God our attention. It's not going to happen. We can't do that. We have to be proactive. Jesus had thousands of people waiting on him, needing his attention. I mean, they, they came to hear him, the, go- I mean, the gospel, that's important, and to be healed. These are really, really important needs. Yet, Jesus would slip away. Jesus would find a way to get alone and to be with God and to hear him. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing and I only speak what I hear the Father saying. How could he live that way if not for connecting with the heart of God on a regular basis? Luke 4.42, it says, at daybreak, Jesus went out again to a solitary place. There's so many scriptures that say this. He went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. (laughs) I love this. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. They're like, stop slipping away. Come on. Like Jesus found a way to just keep slipping away and getting some time with the Lord. So this time the people find him, they're like, stay with us. Don't leave us. But still, Jesus found a way because the need isn't going anywhere, okay? There's the list, like I said, it's always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. So we can go away, be with the Lord, and then what happens is when we approach our responsibilities, our tasks, our relationships, after connecting with the Lord and hearing from God, then we approach them with a, in alignment with him. So, and then the fruit that we produce is fruit that remains. It's good fruit. Because we can check boxes all day long and be productive, but in the end, we're going to bear some rotten fruit because we will naturally drift away from the Lord without being intentional to draw near to him. And so we have to slip away, like Jesus says. Create space between us and the list and the activity. And be willing to take time away from things that even require our attention in order to be with the one, our source. And then what happens typically, we think, oh, I'm sacrificing all this time. God finds a way of multiplying our time when we spend our time with him. It's amazing. It's like our time suddenly expands somehow. It's not, it's limited, but somehow when we connect with God, it's like now we suddenly have time and then some to give to those things that require our attention. Because a lot of times our perception changes when we've been with the Lord and we realize that some of the things that we thought were these huge big things are actually not that big. And maybe not as important as we originally thought because we were running on low. You see what I'm saying? And so God invites us in. So number one is detachment. We create space between us and activity. Number two, solitude. We create space between us and people. (laughs) 
Matthew 14, 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, Jesus was there alone. Moses was alone in the desert. Jesus went away to be alone. There's something about being alone with Jesus. Because how many of you guys know that the greatest, deepest, most meaningful conversations that we've had with people in our lives were one-on-one, right? They're singular. It's where we could give that person our entire focus and attention. Like when, with your spouse, those were the times, one-on-one, when you're connecting with them, sharing your heart with them, really listening. And there's this amazing depth and intimacy that is created in those solitude places with people. And the same is true with the Lord. When you know someone is really listening is when you really share, right? You you really start sharing when you know someone's really listening to you. Like they're repeating back what you're saying. You can tell that they're engaged. There's eye contact. They're focused on the things that you're sharing with them. They're responding to the the prompts that, that you're speaking And then the more and more you receive that from someone, the more and more you see that attention, that that truly engaged heart, then the more your heart opens up. And I think God is waiting for us at times to really give him our attention before he really shares his heart with us. Are we really engaged in really listening? Have we gone away, separated ourselves from the activity, gone away and found a place where we've closed our door and we're in solitude alone with God and we are intentionally giving all of our attention to him and then God begins to share the deep things of his heart with us in those moments. And there is nothing more valuable in this world that we can possess than the heart of God. But it's in those places when we say, yes, God, that's it. I'm leaving all to follow you in a moment. It's not just a life call. It's a moment-by-moment call. I'm leaving all behind me, my activity, people, all the different things that are distracting me. I'm leaving all to seek you alone. And God begins to reveal his heart to us and share the deep things of God. And a lot of times it's not even like a revelation from scripture or this amazing things. A lot of times it's just an impartation. God just kind of drops something in our spirit that begins to transform our life that we're not even conscious of, but we can feel it. It's a connection. You know, like we, we call it like with a man and a woman, chemistry, right? Sparks are flying, Right? We have that with the Lord. And it goes both ways. When we're present to God, the more we understand his character and the way he loves us, the more we understand how he's really listening to us, then we begin to really share our hearts with Jesus. And again, 
there's no greater place for our hearts to be than in the hands of God. But that's cultivated when we create that space. So we create space through detachment, solitude, and then number three, silence. We create space between us and the other voices in our life. Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father. Sometimes Katie and I, we're having a conversation, we'll go into our room and lock our door so we can finish our conversation. <laughs> go into your room, close the door, and then if there's banging on the door, then it, doesn't, it kind of defeats the purpose. But, um, and pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Mark 6.31, then, because so many people were coming and going that they, they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Moses was in a quiet place. Jesus was in a quiet place. There's so many voices in our world that are speaking to us, and they are preaching something. Everyone has a message. Everything does. There is some motive behind anything that's being communicated, whether it's in an entertainment or music or lyrics, uh, politics, whatever it is, there is an agenda. There is some kind of message that is being, uh, that is being pronounced or proclaimed. So we have to be careful who we are listening to because unintentionally, we can use those voices, whether it be politics, entertainment, social media, whatever, as our primary source of inspiration, influence, and purpose in place of the voice of God. It's unintentional. We're not intentionally doing it. We're not like, no, God, I don't want your voice. I want a talking head's voice. You know, like, no, we're not doing that. It's an unintentional thing, but we have to be careful with what we're allowing in to the eyes and ears taking in that influences us, inspires us, and gives us a sense of direction outside of God's voice. Doesn't mean we can't have those voices, doesn't mean we can't hear them, but learn to use them in moderation, right? Like everything in moderation. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. How many, how many of you guys know that we typically listen to people that we agree with? <laughs> right? We typically listen to the people that we agree with because we want someone else to affirm what we believe. And so we know that they believe what we believe, and so we'll listen to them because they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I agree with that because it makes us feel good. It's like affirmation, right? It's confirming the convictions that we hold, and it could be confirming the distaste that we have for something or confirming... Um, a, a, a preference or an interest even. But again, we have to be careful that that message doesn't take center stage. If we give ourselves entirely 
into any one stream of influence, then we can find ourselves drifting further and further from the voice of God. If we give ourselves entirely into any one stream of influence, then we can find ourselves drifting from God's voice. And again, unintentionally swapping out that voice for the place that God's voice is supposed to hold in our, in our lives. Amen? So there's voices, amen. There's voices in, in the world, right, that speak to us. But uh, there's also, we can also replace God's voice with other uh, spiritual substitutes. We can replace God's voice with Christian speakers, podcasts, books, things like that. Now listen, God can speak to us through all of those things, and all of those things are good. And we should read Christian books. We should listen to, to messages. We should li- I, I hope that you're listening to this message. You know, but we should, we should, we should uh, hear from other people and, and let God speak to us through them. Because God speaks through so many different avenues, right? But there's something so special about that personal one-on-one time with Jesus. And we can receive from other, from other people. We have to be careful that we aren't living off of someone else's spirituality. We don't want to live off of someone else's relationship with God. We want to learn to cultivate our own personal connection with Jesus. So we're not trying to live in through someone else. We don't, we don't, we don't have to do that. Like, I mean, other than Jesus, obviously, we connect with God through him, but we don't have to have like the priest that's in between us and God and we communicate to the priest and the priest talks to God or God talks to the priest and the priest comes to us and talks to us. Like we can connect with God. The veil has been torn. Jesus tore the veil. We can boldly enter the most holy place, Hebrews says. Right in, we can step right into the presence of God. Because of Jesus, because of the cross. And so we can connect with God on a personal level. And so it's important to receive from other people, but we don't want to substitute a personal connection with God with those things. Does that make sense? So detachment, solitude, silence creating space. God wants us to do this. He says, again, seek me. He says, leave all and follow me in the moment. Leave all behind and follow me. Seek me with all of your heart and you'll find me. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. All, all, all. The the Bible makes it clear that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be what? Filled. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. Not when we say, oh, yeah, righteousness, yeah, that's cool. That's a, that's a good thing. Or kind of tip our hat to it. No, when there's an appetite, there's a craving. When we hunger for God and we have an appetite for him and for the voice of God, then we shall be filled. Now, what's amazing about that is we all have a hunger for God in us. Every single one of us. We're all hungry. We're all craving him. We're all desperate to know him. And you might be like, well, 
well, I'm working on it. <laughs> no, we, it's all there. Do you have a deep longing to be loved? To belong? Sense of purpose? That's him. We all hunger for him. We crave him. And only he is the one who can satisfy that hunger. Amen. So why? Why, do, why does God want this from, from all of us? Why is he asking for all, all, and just this hardcore, leave everything? And Why does he want that? I want to close with this. Because God wants us to be his friends. God wants us, you and me, to be his friends. James 2, 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Exodus 33, 9, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to him. And then in verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. God wants to be our friend. He wants this faith walk, this faith life to be personal. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. God doesn't just want to be the Lord and master in heaven, and we're just kind of finding our way here on earth. He is our Lord. He is our master. We are submitted to him, but he wants to walk with us, alongside us, personally connected, speaking to us, hearing from us, us hearing from him. This personal relationship, this friendship, he's inviting us into that. He wants to make everything that he has learned from his father known to us. Whoa. Everything that he's learned from his father, God, Jesus talking from his father, God, he wants to make known to us. So I don't call you a servant. I call you a friend. When we say yes to him, we say, I'm, I'm following you, Jesus. I'm in. I'm a disciple. I'm going after you. He calls us friends. Man, what an incredible invitation that the God of the universe would desire to be friends with you and I. Why? 
I don't know. <laughs> but he does, because he loves us. We're his creation. According to Ephesians 2.10, we're God's masterpiece, or his, what he calls his best work. The last piece of his creation puzzle is creating man and woman in his image. And he saw all that he made, and it was very good. And that's how he sees us. Would you guys all take a moment, just bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're on the prayer team, I just invite you to come up to the front here. We just want to be available for prayer. Let's just take a moment and let's ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me, God? What are you saying to me? The Bible says that the Spirit of God leads us into all truth. Jesus wants to make known everything that he's learned from his Father to us. God, what are you saying to me this morning? Lord Jesus, thank you hunger and thirst for you, Jesus. Lord, give us grace, God, to create space. God, I know there's so many times that I try and I fail, but your grace is sufficient. Your strength is made perfect in my weakness. So, Lord, we thank you, God, for these pockets of encounter with you, of solitude, a solitary place where we can hear your voice. As you said earlier, God, we want to receive, want to hear new things, God. Whatever it is that you're speaking, Father, that's what we need. That's what we want to hear. So we open up our hearts to you.
always lead us into heavenly places, God, where you are. You lead us to where you are, God, where we can encounter you and to know you, Father. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to us, God, your children. Lord, we love you and we bless you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Man. Oof. Can we give it up for our worship team too today? Just... Yeah. Excellent. Excellent job. So listen, I love you guys. I love you so much. And I just encourage you this week, take this and say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take step one and create some space. And it could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes, it could be whatever, whatever God leads you to do, but just finding that space, creating some space this week and some solitude with Jesus and hearing from him. Does that sound good? Awesome. Well, I love you guys and I will see you guys next week. 